Hello and welcome to Saird's Audio Fan Fictions. I'm Saird. Thanks for tuning in. In today's episode, we will be continuing on with Chapter 3 of Something Yet to Learn by Glitter Bombshell. If you've missed any episodes or just want a refresher, please follow the link in the description below. There, you should find links to past episodes and chapters. Well, with that out of the way, let's get to it. Happy listening! Chapter 3 Lan Jian, courtesy name Lang Wanji, His Excellency, the duly elected leader of the cultivation world, Han Gonjun, second of the twin jades of Lan, is an extremely powerful cultivator. His restraint is legendary. His serene control of his mind and body are as near to perfection as a mortal man can hope to be. He is not being prideful. These are merely statements of fact. To deny the truth of them would be to disrespect and belittle his own abilities. He is... He is... He is above such petty things as a tension headache. Even so... When the meeting that has occupied his attention for the better part of a day finally, finally draws to a close, he is relieved. A headache is nothing. A minor irritant easily brushed aside and cured by a cup of tea or a moment's quiet meditation. But he will admit that the frequency with which he finds himself doing so is disheartening. He'd known that accepting the position of excellency would change his life in ways he couldn't predict, had known it would be an incredible amount of work, and would require him to develop political skills he was, frankly, lacking in. He had not anticipated it would involve this degree of pettiness. Annoying pettiness. Huge rifts and alliances and power vacuums created by the events at the Guayin Temple and Jing Guayou's scheming. He can navigate. Whether he wills it or not, the cultivation world regards him as a pillar of righteousness, a steady, unyielding force for good. Even when some wanted to malign him for his refusal to bend to the other sect's will, for his support of Wei Ying for his unflinching affection for a man they all hated. They found themselves with few allies. He can handle the big problems. He does not understand why he also must handle all the little ones. Today is merely the latest in a long line. A territory dispute between two relatively minor sects brought to his attention only because the disputed territory lay on a major trade route. Should the sects decide to settle their disagreement with battle, it could disrupt deliveries of food, supplies, and medicine for all of the surrounding areas, not to mention affect the economies of several large towns and cities. Lanjen has been listening to the two sect leaders argue and spit at each other like alley cats for the better part of the day. In the end, he had asked his uncle to join negotiations out of what he very firmly told himself was not desperation. Lan Chiren had taught both sect leaders in their youth, 
and had apparently been quite good friends with one of their fathers in his own. They have not made much progress by the time the winter sky begins its early darkening, but Lanjen is at least confident that they are no longer on the brink of attacking each other. He will take the win. He nods politely as the sect leaders bow to him, his back still perfectly straight, his hands resting gracefully on his knees. Only Wei Ying, his brother, and perhaps his son would be able to read the slight twitch of his fingers, the minuscule tightening at the corners of his eyes for the signs of pain they are. His temples throb, the pain thudding dully right against his eye sockets. He had meant to take supper in the dining hall tonight. Uncle will surely wish for him to put in an appearance. Wei Ying rarely suggests they eat there on his own, but is happy enough to spend time with the juniors in Shijui's cohort if Lan Jian asks. Privately, he suspects Wei Ying just enjoys pulling increasingly ridiculous faces at the juniors while Lan Qiren is not looking until someone breaks and shatters the quiet of the meal with a snort of laughter. But that is neither here nor there. As he finally rises from his seat, though, he finds the idea of going to the dining hall unbearable. Especially as the arguing sect leaders and their attendants are likely to be there. The rules against speaking during meals are always relaxed when a large contingent of guests are present, and someone is sure to attempt to draw him into conversation. Perhaps the sect leaders will try to bend his ear further to their cause and he doubts very much that Wei Ying will be able to hold his tongue, particularly once his love realizes just what the two are fighting over and how much it threatens the stability of the surrounding areas in the dead of winter, which would just draw Uncle's ire. He does not want Wei Ying to have to deal with that. He does not want to deal with that. They have so far been having a very pleasant stay in the cloud recesses. Really... It is best for everyone if he and Wei Ying take their evening meal together in the Jingxi. Perhaps Sijui will be able to join them. Wei Ying has been puzzling over some new bit of spellwork in the past several days, and he knows Sijui and Jingyi are eager to begin testing it. Visions of a quiet evening in his home. Perhaps reading. Perhaps playing his guqin as his husband and their sons bend their heads together and talk animatedly over a subject they are both passionate about are dancing in his head as he sweeps out of the meeting hall, uncle close on his heels. He is about to ask for someone to send word for Sijui to come into the Jingxi for supper if he wishes, when he spots his son already making his way towards him. Jingyi is at his side, as he ever is these days, even more so than when they were children. Even at a distance, he can see a frown on Jingyi's expressive face. Sijui is much too polite to let his displeasure with something be known in public, but Lanjen also recognizes the tense set of his son's shoulders. They appear to be coming from the guest quarters, where the visiting sect members have all been assigned rooms. The throbbing in his temples creeps down the back of his neck to the top of his spine. Hangonjun, Grandmaster? Sijui greets as he and Jingyi reach them both bowing respectively. Lan Jen nods back, raising an eyebrow at his son. What is wrong? He asks without preamble. 
Jingyi and Sijui exchange glances, but the tension they're carrying seems to ease. Sijui smiles slightly, shaking his head. A minor disagreement between some of the guests, he says, to which Jingyi snorts inelegantly. If you call almost drawing swords minor, he mutters. Almost immediately, his eyes dart to Uncle. In seconds, his posture is textbook perfect, and he bows his head, staring at the ground as though it is the most interesting thing he's ever seen. That is, Sidri diffused the situation. You helped, Sidri says, his voice booking no argument. Jingyi shoots him a small, pleased smile. Uncle sighs heavily, and when Lanjian looks over at him, the man looks as though he is regretting every decision he has ever made. Wonderful, Uncle mutters. The sex are populated with petulant children, and Cloud Recesses is reduced to a nursery. Were Lan Jen not so thoroughly fed up with this state of affairs himself, he would be impressed that their warring guests have managed to arouse such a reaction from Uncle. Usually, his husband is the only one who can stir Lan Chiran to vehemence. He is fed up, though, and so he merely makes a noncommittal hum as Uncle smooths imaginary wrinkles from his sleeves. After a moment, he sighs again. Excuse me. I had best go relieve Lan Feng of the novice classes so that he may eat. I believe he is on the first patrol rotation tonight. At that, both Sujui and Jingyi go absolutely still. Jingyi pales dramatically, and Sujui's lips press into a thin line. Lanjen tilts his head at his son, but Sujui is staring at Uncle. Grandmaster, Sujui begins slowly. Forgive me, but I'm afraid the novices won't be with Lanfeng. At this... It is Uncle's turn to freeze, staring at the two juniors in unblinking surprise. What? He bites out. If possible, Jingyi goes paler. We're about to go get them when we heard shouting from the guest quarters, he says quickly. Sijui nods. We were the only ones around, Sijui adds, squaring his shoulders. He shoots a look at Lanjen, who dips his chin in a single nod. His son's eyes brighten at the subtle show of support, and he continues. We thought that the more important matter to attend to. The disciples seemed far less willing to argue in front of us. We'd hoped to prevent tempers from flaring until someone more senior could address the issue. Sidui's expression remains as clinically polite as Lanjen's own, but he hears the disapproval in his son's voice. Indeed, Lanjen will be speaking on this matter. Such a shameful display by guests will not be tolerated. Mm. You did well, he says. It is almost comical how quickly Jing Yi relaxes. Uncle, however, splutters. Do you mean to tell me you have left our novice class with Wei Wu Zhen all day? Uncle does not shout. Shouting is forbidden in the cloud recesses. He looks like he dearly wants to. Both Lan Zhen and Sijui stiffen at the way he says Wei Ying's name. 
Sidri's smile does not slip from his face, though, and he tilts his head in a gesture of what looks like genuine confusion. Grandmaster? he says, his eyes widening slightly. Why, why would we not? Did we take Master Wei from something else you asked him to do? Wei Ying would fall to the floor laughing at Uncle's obvious horror at the thought. Lan Jen merely levels the older man with a cool stare, one almost perfectly matched by Sijui. Poor Jing Yi's eyes keep darting between the three of them, and he looks like he can't decide if he wants to stay and watch this play out or run screaming. In what world is trusting our youngest disciples to that... that... Uncle breaks off with a sound close to a growl, and Lan Jen narrows his eyes. He tries. He tries to stay out of his uncle's conflict with his husband, tries to trust Wei Ying's assertions that uncle just has to get used to him, just has to have time to see that he is not going to hurt Lan Jen. But he will not stand here and listen to his heart be slandered. Grandmaster, Sidri says again, and again his voice is filled with innocent confusion. Just last month, Master Wei was the supervising senior on the night hunt near the eastern border. Lan Zheng's class? Lan Zhen has read the reports. What had at first seemed to be a straightforward haunting along a lonely stretch of road had turned out to be a nest of minor demons. A large nest. That no one had been killed was incredible luck. That no one had been seriously injured was a minor miracle. And that was largely due to Wei Ying's quick thinking and ability to improvise spellwork, traps, and talismans. Some of the elders are still not sure what his husband did to those spirit nets. Sijui holds Uncle's gaze steadily, maintaining a guileless expression. And Lan Zhen cannot help but be impressed because Uncle is just as aware of what had happened on that night hunt as Len Jen is. And Sijui has neatly left him with no other option than to abandon his complaints, or try to suggest that Wei Ying is somehow qualified to assist a group of juniors against a flock of nesting demons, but not to watch a class of novice disciples for a few hours in the heart of the cloud recesses. In front of two of the best disciples the sect has produced in a generation. And perhaps the best disciple the sect has produced in a generation. Who also now holds the title of excellency. And is completely, irrevocably, hopelessly in love with the man Lan Chiren might make such an argument about. Uncle subsides. Sijui's eyes flash with something that might be identified as satisfaction were Lan Jen inclined to do so. Sometimes, Sijui is such a perfect blend of him and Wei Ying, it is hard to remember he is not technically related to either of them, that Wei Ying had been absent for the better part of his life. The precious, precious child whose mere existence had held the shattered remains of Lan Jen's heart together in those first years after Wei Ying's death is such a melding of the two of them. Lan Jen's unyielding honor and personal righteousness, 
Wei Ying's nigh-unbreakable spirit and boundless capacity for kindness, his respect for duty and sense of responsibility, Wei Ying's curiosity and determination. He likes to think that Sijui's bottomless heart, his endless ability to love, comes from all of them. Him, Wei Ying, the Wen remnants Lan Zhen had only barely come to know, even Wen Ning and Wen Qing. He must admit, though, he has no idea where this, frankly, political astuteness comes from. Sidri's ability to maneuver people, to absolutely take stock and measure of a person in just a few short minutes, will be an incredible asset to the sect. It almost reminds Lan Zhen of his brother. But Shi Chen's diplomacy and politics had never had quite the edge Lan Zhen has observed. If he had ever happened to mention it to his husband, he would know. He would know how Wei Ying's throat tightens when he makes those same observations, his heart aching with the memory of the proud, fierce woman who had been one of his dearest friends by the time everything fell apart. Uncle subsides looking as though he has just taken a drink of something foul. And Sidri executes a perfect, respectful bow. Jingyi and I will go now and relieve Master Wei. We'll make sure the class gets to the dining hall in time for the evening meal. Uncle harumphs and waves them away, apparently so discombobulated that he forgets that technically Lan Zhen outranks him now and should really be the one dismissing all three of them. Lan Zhen cannot wait to see the expression on his husband's face when he tells him. He thinks he sees Jingyi smother a grin as the two turn and bow to him as well. Wait, he says. I will walk with you. He excuses himself from uncle, bidding him a polite good night. He pretends not to hear his uncle still huffing angrily to himself. The approaching evening is pleasant for the season. Cold, but not harsh. And the air holds a heavy stillness that promises another snowfall. Despite some dark memories, Lanjen has always enjoyed winter. The quiet of the mountains around them. The sense that nature itself has curled up and gone to sleep under a blanket of smooth, tranquil white. He enjoys the peace. Sijui and Jingyi hurry ahead of him, chattering softly as they head for the library. He follows at a more sedate pace, taking a moment to clear his head of the turmoil of the day. From the context of what Sijui had said to Uncle, Wei Ying has been left alone with the most junior disciples for several hours, possibly since Lan Zhen summoned his uncle. He knows Lan Qiren would have left careful instructions had probably forbidden his husband from doing anything but sitting and staring at the children as they copied their lessons. He is not even a little bit surprised to find the library pavilion deserted when they arrive. He is a little bit surprised that his husband thought to leave a note. Jing Yi sighs, half exasperated, half amused. I don't know why I expected anything different, he says. What is he even going to do at the practice field? There is, of course, only one way to find out. The three of them head down the path to the practice field, and after only a few moments, 
he hears the cadence of Wei Ying's voice carrying in the still of the afternoon. His love sounds happy, and curiosity unfurls in Lan Zhen's chest. He's not worried in any way, shape, or form, would trust his husband with the lives of anyone within the cloud recesses. As ridiculous as Wei Ying can be, he will have taken his care of the children seriously. He will admit, though, that he's not sure what Wei Ying would have done with a group of children that small for as long as he's been left. He's half-braced to find the practice field populated with snowmen, or the children burying each other up to the necks in drifts. What he finds is his husband having... a class? Sichui and Jingyi come to a halt at the head of the path, not stepping onto the field. Lan Zhen stops just behind them, watching. They're not hiding, exactly, but it does not escape his notice that the corner of the building beside them effectively blocks them from Wei Ying's line of sight. His love stands in the center of the smallest practice field, three deep furrows dug into the snow behind him. The novice juniors range in a semicircle before him, staring at him raptly as he speaks. Fond warmth blooms in his chest as Wei Ying's hands dart through the air, gesticulating wildly. Even from this distance, he can see the smile that lights his husband's face, hear the laughing delight in that beloved voice. He could spend the rest of his life merely listening to the sound of Wei Ying's voice. As they watch, one of the children steps forward, holding up what looks like a piece of talisman paper. Wei Ying takes it and holds it out, pointing to the various lines and characters, nodding as the children answer whatever question he's just asked. Then he hands it back to the juniors and gestures for the others to line up behind one of the lines he's dug in the snow. He and the junior step a little forward, the junior stooping to pick up... a snowball? What are they doing? Jingyi asks. The young man is whispering, despite the fact that they are too far away for Wei Ying to hear. Is Master Wei having a snowball fight? The... without us? Is silent, but implicit. I don't think so, Sijui says. That class just started with wind talismans, didn't they? But there's no way they'll be ready for... Wei Ying takes the snowball from the junior, tosses it high in the air. As it begins its descent, the child snaps his wrist forward and the talisman flares to life. A gust of wind bursts forth, connecting with the snowball and sending it flying out towards the practice targets at the other end of the field. The icy projectile doesn't connect, falling short by a few yards. But Wei Ying applauds anyway, patting the boy on the shoulder and spinning to face the others. Apparently they are, Jing Yi says, elbowing Sijui in the side. Lan Jen is no expert, but if he had to make a guess, that particular tone is about to die from envy. Recalling his own lessons for such things, Lan Jen cannot say it's not a reasonable reaction. He remembers standing in a perfect line with a few other young disciples in one of the classrooms. 
stepping forward to power a wind talisman at a lit candle on the other side of the room while their teacher watched silently. They were not allowed to progress to the next lesson until they could activate the talisman and blow out the candle without harming the wick. It had taken Lan Jen days to get it right. This... this looks far more interesting. Wei Ying speaks to the children again, and Lan Jen sees them slump in disappointment, start shuffling around as though they are getting ready to leave. His husband has apparently noted the time and the fast-approaching evening. One small figure remains still, though, and Wei Ying goes to crouch down in front of him. Jing Yi sighs a little, his own shoulders slumping. Ah, oh, is that Lan Xin? Poor kid. He shakes his head sadly. I don't know how he'll ever catch up. Jing Yi, Sijui chides. What? All the teachers are thinking it. Master Feng's had me tutoring him for weeks. He's not making any progress. He's been here a year, and he can barely focus his spiritual energy enough to meditate. Forget forming a core. I think they're probably going to shift him over to study with the healers or something soon. The clan would never abandon one of its disciples, especially one so young. If the boy shows no ability for cultivation, he will still be given an education and apprenticed with a suitable trade when he is old enough. The sect takes care of its own. Still, it is never an easy thing to realize you are not meant for what you thought you were, that the life you had dreamed of was not to be. Wei Ying suddenly takes the boy's hand and leads him to a little ways away from the rest of the group. They stop by a pile of snowballs and Wei Ying kneels down in the snow. Lan Jin's brows furrow as his husband guides the boy's hand to the pulse point of his own wrist. Sijui and Jing Yi are clearly curious as well, walking further down the path to get a better look. Lan Jin follows. The three of them step onto the practice field unnoticed. The entire class is riveted by whatever Wei Ying is doing. He watches as his husband flings a snowball into the air, expertly tossing it with a wind talisman. Beside him, the boy seems to jerk. He says something to Wei Ying, and Lan Jian finds himself drifting closer, wanting to hear what they are saying. Wei Ying fires off another talisman, and then a third, before the young disciple finally steps away from him, taking the talisman paper Wei Ying offers. Sijui and Jing Yi exchange startled looks, and Lan Jen is no less surprised. If what Jing Yi had said was true, surely his husband must know that this will likely only end in more disappointment for the boy. Surely his heart would not do something like that to a child. Wei Ying would not. Of course he would not. The entire class in front of him takes a collective gasp when the snowball weighing has tossed starts to fall to the earth, only to be neatly caught by a gust of wind. It sails across the field and hits one of the training targets, as Wei Ying's joyous laughter rings out over the field. His husband applauds the boy wildly, and in an instant the other juniors have all joined in. Wonderful! Magnificent! Well done, Lan Xin! Well done!
Wei Ying explains, laying his hands on the boy's shoulders proudly. Warmth blooms in Lan Jen's own chest when the disciple flings his arms around Wei Ying's waist, hugging him tightly before he seems to remember himself and the restraint that is expected of a disciple of Gusu Lan sect. The boy whispers something, wiping at his teary eyes with his sleeve. Even from where he is standing, Lan Jen can tell the child is regarding his husband with something close to worship as he is swarmed by the other juniors, all of them laughing and congratulating him and not acting with even a little bit of propriety. Lan Jen cannot find it in his heart to even think of scolding them, especially not when Wei Ying has turned fully towards them finally realizing the three of them have joined his impromptu class. That beloved face lights up with a wide grin, cheeks flushed with cold and hair dusted with snowflakes kicked up by all the wind. Lanjen can feel all the tension of the day melting away like sugar on the tongue. Han Gunjin! One of the other novices gasp, following Wei Ying's line of sight. As though they have coordinated it, the juniors flail briefly before falling into two straight lines in front of him. Wei Ying can barely contain his laughter, biting his lips together as the children salute him solemnly, then bow to Sichui and Jingyi as well. Wei Ying stretches, cat-like, and pulls his cloak more tightly around his body, tucking his bare hands under his arms. He grins, blinking innocently. We ran out of talisman paper, he offers. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. This has been Chapter 3 of Something Yet to Learn. Written by Glitter Bombshell. Narrated by Saird. Theme music spirited away. Thank you so much for tuning in and please tune in again next time for chapter four and the last chapter of this story. Also, I don't think I've mentioned this in the past, but something yet to learn is part one of the Joy in the Midst of These Things series. This series, much like my YouTube Disaster Gaze series, will be an ongoing project. Our next full-length chaptered fic will begin after November's Secret has wrapped. The story that we read next has yet to be decided, so be sure to visit my website and visit the Let's Chat page and vote for the fic that you want to hear next. There, you'll find options as well as those stories' links and their descriptions. Until next time, happy listening! In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, 
I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. 